Good evening, and welcome to Transforming Lives, the radio ministry of the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. I invite you to stay tuned for the next hour for a live discussion providing biblical answers to life's questions. Here now is your host for tonight's edition of Transforming Lives. And our focus tonight is not only biblical counseling and its need for America and its culture, but we're talking also about missions and mission projects. So we're hoping that uh, you'll be able to enjoy our program and learn something this evening about uh, the Ministry of Biblical Counseling. I have some very special guests with me tonight. Uh, first of all, our regular co-hosts, Gus Supan and Glenn Dunn, are here uh, with me on the panel. But we have a very special guest we're going to call John Yang, who ministers as a missionary full-time with his family in Thailand. And uh, John, welcome to Transforming Lives tonight. Mm, glad to be here. John, uh, what exactly do you do uh, in Thailand? Uh, I work as a missionary doing cross-border trainings in two Southeast Asian countries and into mainland China. And we also are producing radio programs to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have never heard it before. Amen. And how, uh, how long have you been doing this? Uh, we've been there for 21 years and doing radio programs specifically for eight years. Radio programs consist primarily of what, John? Our radio programs are definitely tailor-made to be culturally relevant to our uh, listening audience. So we would include things that the Hmong in, is a people group that we're working with would hold dear, prose, music. And then, as our listeners are interested, we have people's attention. We then continue to deal with life issues. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to hopefully throughout the program talk about some of those life issues and how the Bible addresses those issues. And I know your heart and I know um, uh, how the scriptures are able to reach our Hmong brethren in uh, Thailand as well as in the neighboring countries as they are here in America. The reason I, why I know that listening audience is because I've been to Thailand ministering with John and uh, for three different trips now over the last, uh, gosh, I don't know how many years, 10, 12 years or so mm -hmm. since our first trip. All right, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Now, just for you that are listening, I want to recognize that uh, this is a live program tonight, and you're able to call us and talk to John. You can ask questions about the Hmong or the area nations. There are some hot issues in those particular countries in Far East Asia, in Thailand, Burma, North Vietnam, Laos, China, uh, their radio program meet, reaches into all of those areas, bringing the gospel. And um, you may want to have some questions tonight about not only that ministry, but also um, how the Bible can uh, successfully help people who struggle in completely different cultures to those in America. I want to let you know that our number here live is 888 677 9673. That's 888 677 9673. We are podcasting and we are available live streaming across the whole world right now on WHK's radio station, which you can get as a link on BCI's website. That would be www.bci ohio.com. Well, John, you. Um, you're reaching out through the radio waves. Uh, how do you know that you're making contact with people out there uh, of the Hmong culture? Maybe probably a 
better question. Maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with the term Hmong, and and how would that look spelled out in English for those of us who might be trying to find out what what and who you're talking about? Uh, the Hmong is what their their auto names, what they call themselves, would be spelled H M O N G. Mm-hmm. Although in English we would pronounce it M O N G or M U N G. Hmong. And uh, and that's just basically one people group that uh, came out of China back in, as you said, was it 1750? It's actually a very large, diverse people group mm-hmm. made up of close to 9 million people uh, in the world, mm-hmm. 85 different dialects, languages, and uh, we have Hmong here in the United States as well, up to 300,000. Mm-hmm. And some of them may be in our listening audience, uh, John, because... Uh, we're told that the broadcast here reaches 13 states of America and into Canada, mm. about half of Canada. And uh, it's quite possible that some of the Hmong are listening tonight. Why don't you, uh, why don't you greet the Hmong who might be listening to the program and, and encourage them in Christ? I don't have a clue what you just said, Java. Can you tell us what you said in English? No, we said greetings, uh, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, Mm -hmm. relatives, and Uh in-laws. I'm glad that we can meet you this evening and stay tuned with us and see if we can have some encouragement out of the Word of God and what we speak about this evening. Uh Mm. Now, I I know, uh, maybe others don't, that uh, there are, as you said, so many dialects, 85 mm-hmm. different dialects, and there are, are uh, some of them are so different that the Hmong don't even understand each other. Correct. And so which particular dialect <laughs> were you talking? Uh, that was particularly White Hmong. White Hmong. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other names for the other dialects? We have um, Blue Hmong, mm-hmm. Black Hmong, Red-Headed Hmong, uh, Clearwater Hmong, Banana Stalk Hmong, there's 85 different dialects. Yeah, we don't have the time to listen to all of them. But it's it's amazing to me that there are so many uh, just within that one people group. And I come from an Italian stock, and uh, I know there's probably different dialects of, of Italian throughout Italy. But I think most Italians understand each other. I don't I don't understand the difference here. Joe, uh, uh, John, I was just wondering: uh, are all of those dialects? Do all of those have translations of the Bible? No, the the sad uh, fact of the matter is, out of eighty five dialects, only two have the scriptures in their own language, wow. and only seven of eighty five have any kind of Christian witness in their own language. Hmm. Wow. And which two do do we have the scriptures in? Oh, uh, that would be the White Mong. The first translation was completed in nineteen ninety eight. The first complete translation, mm-hmm. just a few years back. And then the Blue Mong followed suit. Mm-hmm. And your radio broadcasts go out in the blue and the white. Correct. Now, the the latest development is what? Why don't you share that, uh, what we've been working on or what you've been working on in the last two or three years? Now, the past few years we have been deciding oh, how we're going to reach the further Hmong populace um, be, because white and blue are only understood in Thailand, uh, parts of Vietnam, Laos, and subparts of uh, China. 
So consequently, we still have a larger populace that does not understand what we're saying when we're on the air. Mm-hmm. And it is our heart to find which is a trade language which can reach further amounts of the Hmong population. And we have decided on Black Hmong, and that will open up the field for us to reach several hundred thousand more than what we're reaching right now. We're on the air about a million a day. You're, you're reaching a million a day now? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And how many are in this Black Hmong group? Uh, there's... As far as we can tell, because we haven't surveyed every home, every village, well, we're looking at several hundred thousand, three to four hundred thousand Hmong in China and in North Vietnam as well. And among the black Hmong, there are a number of dialects you were telling me. Right. There's five major sub-dialects. And so you've had to choose which one out of those five to focus on that have the potential of, of reaching the most of them and the, that are the most accessible to the other dialects. Right. So we've decided on using the dialect. That's amazing. Well, are, are there any plans for uh, other dialects ha- having uh, the uh, Bible available to them? Yes, there are other organizations that we have all joined hands to work with because it's a common cause, not in competition. And uh, there are people who are now in process of translating the big flowery, uh, the small flowery, and the sinicized. These are groups that do have Christians among them and have had among the big and small flowery for over 100 years. These were the first groups to be reached by the gospel by uh, Samuel Pollard in the 1800s. So there is work moving forward on that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we've got a caller on the line tonight. Uh, Kitty, are you there? Yes. Kitty, good to hear from you. Welcome to Transforming Lives. Well, thank you. Um, I have a question about uh, the differences between the government um, church in China mm-hmm. and the underground church. And I wondered uh, what, uh, if, if, if you know what any uh, few of those differences are and if the um, government church, uh, the church underneath the government helps the underground church And is there any way that um, help can get to the underground church? That's a great question, Kitty. John? Yes, right now when we look at the, the area of China, China is a big country, population is very spread out, and from province to province, from county to county, even though there is what we would say religious freedom among uh, the self-appointed, the three-self-faced church, um, there is freedom, but we have to remember that the agendas in each individual church has been set by the government. There are certain things that they are not allowed to preach on, and particularly the resurrection. Hmm. Okay, so this is that's taking the power of Christianity Christianity yeah. away right there. Amen, yes. Okay. And all of their activities are subject to government scrutiny. Now, we do know of some of the the state-run churches helping the underground church, but there are many people who are quite fearful that if they were to help with the underground church, that that would also undermine their position of freedom of religion. So it's it's risky for that. Uh, the, the The underground church is very big and is very active even to the point where they're sending missionaries back to uh, Jerusalem. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, do, are they allowed to evangelize at all? Then the church, the. Um, uh, that's a very good question. Thank you for that. the The official church is not allowed to evangelize. All of their activities must be done within the confines of the church compound. So, for there to be open evangelism onto the streets is is unheard of. Now, there are different areas of China where things are more lax. But because of the deluge of uh, two particular cult groups, one was the Falun Gong and then the Eastern Lightning group, that uh, the Chinese government has come back down very hard on Protestant Christianity, especially in rural areas, because these two groups were particularly anti-government, but were then moving into the realms where the Protestant underground churches were at. And that curbed the the, uh, enthusiasm to reach out and try to uh, evangelize people and get them to come to their churches. Uh, definitely, mm-hmm. um, just because the, in particular, the Eastern Lightning Group was is, and still is an anti-government group, and their doctrines are very, very, uh, very, very uh, non-orthodox. A woman messiah, uh, physically living in China right now. What happened was when they had infiltrated the underground church, they did not really infiltrate the uh, the state-owned church. They infiltrated the underground church. And in doing so, when that happened, it caused a lot of fear, not knowing who you could trust. Mm. So that, of course, you know, fear always uh, puts out the fire. John, I noticed that you you said particularly uh, how they respond towards the Protestant church. Is there any difference uh, of the prevalence of any the Catholic church uh, in China? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, under the Catholic church, of course, you understand that we do... Um, the the Catholics will definitely owe their allegiance to Rome. And this has always been a great point of contention with any communist uh, government, whether do, Vietnam, Laos, etc. Do they treat the Protestant church any different than the, the Catholic church? That I think that question would be way outside of what the, okay. the things that I work with on a daily basis. Okay. Thank well, you. Would you say the uh, the Protestant uh, Christian churches? Uh, would you say they were born again? Yes, generally on a whole, uh, especially those that we have worked with, the Protestant underground churches, because they have gone through so much testing that I would say the majority oh. of the people that that we have been in contact with have a wonderful relationship with the Lord. Oh, I uh, okay. Uh, what about the um, the um, are the registered churches then under the government? Okay, in the registered churches, there the government uh, also hinders and forbids there to be youth activities involved. So in a lot of uh, the government churches, you will find it is mostly elderly people. There are many people who do have a wonderful relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And they're not in the underground church. They're with the registered church. Correct. So someone then can be above ground in search of another term and uh, hold within their heart the resurrection without the government uh, uh, knowing about it. Well, the They're not allowed to uh, preach that inside their church either. Correct. They're not allowed to preach the resurrection in, in their churches. Now, as, as, you being a, as you, one is being a born-again Christian, 
you definitely have to believe in the resurrection. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. so they do this uh, 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 privately and silently. And do that privately. Okay. Well, Kitty, how, how have we done helping you out there? Pretty good? Yes. Thank you very much. Would you please pray for that ministry? This okay. Ministry? Yes. Amen. Thank you for calling, Kitty. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Well, we're going to need to go to a break here in a moment, and we want to uh, encourage you to call here at the station at 888-677-9673 while we continue to talk to John Yang, who uh, is here on a, a brief visit from Thailand and ministry where people are being reached for Christ. And in uh, subsequent segments, we're going to talk about the power of the Scriptures, not only to bring them to Christ, and but how it confronts cultural differences and how it is available, the scripture available to bring help to the life issues that people face there in that culture. So you stay tuned and listen to these very important announcements, and we'll be right back. Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry, all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. back to Transforming Lives. This is Joe Propri, your host, director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, and we're here to promote the excellency, the superiority, and the sufficiency of God's wonderful Word. Mm. He has given us everything we need for life and for godliness, and I'm joined by my good friends Glenn Dunn and Gus Supan this evening, and we have a very special guest from Thailand whom we'll call John Yang, and we're calling him John Yang because it's not appropriate to use his real name. He's going to tell us about that here in just a moment. John, 
you mentioned in our previous segment <clears throat> that uh, you're broadcasting the gospel in uh, culturally uh, appreciated ways using poems, music that are familiar to the Hmong people group and uh, storytelling, but uh, the Word of God coming out. <clears throat> How do you know if people are getting saved? How do you know people who are Christians in these groups are being encouraged? What kind of ways do you find out if the programs that you've been doing for how many years? Uh, the programs actually have been on the air for over 20 years, mm-hmm. but our role on it has been on for eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you know it's been effective, that it's worth the time and effort? Well, that's that's a good question. In the early days of programming, there was not a lot of structure for people to respond back except via writing. And since a large amount of the population is illiterate or there, some of them are preliterate, having no written language. It was very hard to get feedback. But in this present day and age, we actually do get quite a response from letters. Uh, we also, mm. people who can't write, have sent us cassette tapes. Mm. They have somebody who can write us something in, in Lao or Chinese. We've even gotten from China and Vietnam. On the outside of the envelope, they would write it. But inside, there's no note, no nothing, but there is a cassette tape. Mm telling us their story Mm -hmm. and what is even better was when we were able to first start to travel into these areas and meet people face to face and when we start talking in a a very careful manner asking around about questions as to what kind of programming do they listen to on the radio because the Hmong mostly would have all would have shortwave radios which we broadcast on they responded back when we got around to our radio program they would say we listen Matter of fact, everybody in our area listens. And we would then go further to see, were they believers? And many people had believed due to the radio programs that we'd had on. Mm -hmm. Wow, praise the Lord. So this is indicative of the hunger for the the word there. Definitely, definitely, as we see, particularly in Laos and in Vietnam and in southwest China, over into the edges of uh, eastern Burma or Myanmar, uh, there is a, a great hunger that when we would go to share the word, an hour where here in America a few of us would get a little bit antsy, maybe the pastor might even get a little bit antsy speaking over, uh, our brothers there would sit for four, five, six hours to listen and and then in an interactive way ask questions as well. Mm-hmm. So you're traveling uh, frequently into these various countries to assess the effectiveness of the program. Correct. We go and get feedback from people on the ground, and we also hold trainings in these respective countries. Mm-hmm. When you go into these areas, um, isn't that a little bit dangerous? Uh, depends on what you do when you go. There are some areas of the world, that, uh, particularly Myanmar, that when you travel to can be quite unsettling when you're walking through the, the forest and uh, you meet groups of soldiers um, and who start asking you where you're going and what you're doing. And because we're not allowed to be in the areas that we're in, uh, a lot of times they they give you a lot of detailed questioning. But to this, the, to this day, God has got us through. Mm-hmm. Um, in Vietnam as well, southwest China, we have had um, altercations, as you would say. But we're still moving. We're still here. And the grace of God has been with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Anything that is worth something means that there has to be a risk involved. Mm-hmm. If there's no risk, then, then it's not really worth a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, John, I know that we're calling you John 
primarily because you have a price on your head. Yes, brother, that's true. And uh, how how did you get a price on your head? What did you do? We started programming the gospel. <laughs> you wish somebody a happy Easter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said Merry Christmas in Walmart. <laughs> no, we on on our team we had actually started producing radio programs that had gone gone over into a few of those countries, and one country in particular it was in Vietnam that had started actually jamming our radio programs. We knew that things were happening, things were effective when the government started to take notice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then we know that they also are proactive and in seeking information as to those who have been producing radio broadcast. Do we know this due to having access to certain internal documents that friends passed on to us, mm-hmm. and that government documents, government documents, and yes. that the the Vietnamese and Laotian governments blamed one hundred percent the move of the Hmong towards Protestant Christianity. In large numbers, we're talking from zero in 1986 to the government in Vietnam admits to over 250,000 in 1992. Wow. 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 Uh, uh, they blame the radio programs for wow. that only. God bless you. That's yes. amazing. We'll take that blame. What, <laughs> what kind of programming do you provide when you're, when you're broadcasting? Do you preach yourself? Would you preach? Yes, I would teach as well, and mm-hmm. we also have other brothers, other sisters on the team that we all work together. Mm-hmm. Synergy is a good thing, and each person would teach on what they're gifted in. But what we've been doing on the outset was to produce culturally relative programs because among, in Asia, the whole view of Christianity is that it's a Western religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jesus wasn't an American. And so for us, we need to present that the gospel is culturally relative for uh, the gospel is culturally relative for everybody for every people tribe tongue and nation in the earth mm-hmm. and as we're do- as we're doing things in a culturally relevant way not politically correct now there's there's a big difference here mm-hmm. S- sharing the gospel in a very concise succinct manner so that it is easy to understand mm-hmm. is that is that with preaching or uh, I noticed you talked about poems and stories. Uh, what is the primary conveyance of, of the gospel? What we would do is we would use oral traditions that that the Hmong themselves like, that the Hmong themselves listen to and memorize. And on top of that, then, we would preach the gospel, but we generally like to story the gospel like an oral tradition. and pe- Narrative. Narrative mm-hmm. and people respond very well to this. Very good. Much very of good. the way the Bible was actually written, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. figuratively, language. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So, for example, if we if we would say to you, if you were going to present the gospel, um, you know, briefly, mm-hmm. in the in the Hmong dialect, let's say the white Hmong dialect, um, how would you do that? I mean, maybe you maybe you could do that in the dialect of of the Hmong, uh, considering that there's a a contingent of them, Possible uh, yeah, mm-hmm. in in Akron and so forth. Um, how would you present the gospel to them? Well, first of all, is understanding the worldview and that uh, sin is not necessarily a problem in people's lives, but mm. the major problems that people have in their lives are sickness and death. And so we would start at the very beginning: the character of God, the character of spirits. It's very important to understand where spirits come from. 
um, because the Hmong are animists as well. Mm-hmm. So as we unwrap the spirit realm and begin to open doors that people have not and things that people have not thought of in the past, we then come in with the Christian worldview and bring Christ into the very center of their worldview. And you'd be amazed at how the bells go off, how the mm-hmm. bells ring. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, do, would it be your understanding that, for example, the Hmong here, you, you mentioned that there was a, a large contingent, did you say 300,000? Correct. Um, sort of spread all over, some here in Ohio, some Minneapolis, uh, other locations. Would it, would it be their practice to still uh, practice animism? Uh, do, would you know here? Yes, for sure. This is one of the the greatest tensions that we're having here in the United States among the Hmong. Um, the Hmong are a, a very community-bound people, a very family-oriented people, but they're family-oriented because it's all based on their spirit rights hmm. because they worship the ancestors back three generations. And then their whole realm, the whole idea of uh, we would... In English, we'd probably say witch doctor or shaman, and we would look at that as like black magic. They would consider all of their animistic rituals as healing rituals to bring peace, uh, to bring health. People who have lost their souls, and it's the duty of the shaman to go into the netherworld of spirits and bring the soul of the ill person back. And so we have here in the United States large contingents of Hmong living in Fresno, Modesto, Stockton, California, and in the Twin Cities. And as they've been here in the United States, granted they've lost a lot of their social structures, but they have been desperately trying to hang on to their traditions. So um, they've had to make adaptions here, but there are some funeral homes in Minnesota and in California that will not allow the Hmong to come and hold a traditional funeral because it requires animal sacrifice. Will not allow? Will not. Yeah, okay. Will not. Mm-hmm. And requires large amounts of paper money being burnt, large amounts of incense. So there are certain places that the Hmong would hold these ceremonies by themselves in a rural area mm. rather than do that in the uh, funeral home because the funeral parlors don't want to get on <laughs> you killing a cow in <laughs> the middle of the parlor. <laughs> and, and then the shamans are still very active. But it's interesting. There was a, uh, a documentary by PBS, Public Broadcasting, that called The Split Horn, where they had um, the the trail of a Hmong shaman here in the United States and then three generations. So his children and grandchildren are stuck on MTV and The Simpsons while this man is still up on his bench doing his ritual ceremonies Mm -hmm. for healing. Mm -hmm. It's a a terrible tearing away. But Mm -hmm. the Hmong here, yes, they're still practicing their animistic beliefs, except those who are Christians. Mm-hmm. Is there any of those those uh, traditions, those animalistic traditions, kind of dying hard with Christians, that some of that, uh, mm. uh, some of that is still exists in, in their, uh, since their newfound faith? Uh, regretfully, that I have to say, yes, there, there is uh, uh, dying hard to those traditions, and that has to do with, because... Many people have come into the church, they've just had a an outward change of rituals rather than an internal change of worldview. Mm. And really, when we've come from, from our background, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and we come to Christ, we have to get a worldview change. Mm-hmm. No, no matter if you were mm-hmm. 
how you were raised. Mm-hmm. Even raised in a Christian home, a lot of times we need a worldview adjustment mm-hmm. so we see things according to God's way, according to the Word mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there Hmong churches in uh, California and Minnesota? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are a very large contingent of the Christian and Missionary Alliance representing Hmong churches here in the United States. I understand that they have over 100. 100 churches in the United States? Over 100 churches wow. here. Oh, that's great. And some in Akron. Uh, so Akron. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we hope you're listening in Akron and in the Twin Cities and in California. We're here with the uh, amazingly informative John Yang, who has all kinds of information regarding missions and even political things that are going on in the mm-hmm. Far East mm-hmm. and the impact of Christ and his word in that area, which is awesome. You may want to talk to John or our panel tonight. Number is 888-677-9673 here on Transforming Lives. Stay tuned now for these very important announcements, and we'll be right back with some more exciting news about God's move in the far eastern part of this world. desire to become more Christ-like? I want you to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Your, your statement is biblical. We're back here on Transforming Lives. This is Joe Proper, your host, director of the Biblical Counseling Institute. And we're here with John Yang from Thailand, here temporarily in this country to share the work of God there in amongst the Hmong people of Thailand and Burma, Laos. North Vietnam primarily and uh, and uh, southern China. It's exciting to hear, John, the things you're sharing with mm-hmm. us, the mm-hmm. actual situation. I thought maybe just personally to get get people uh, aware, uh, you know, 
it's assumed, I'm sure, by our audience that you are an American here and you've gone over to Thailand. But maybe people don't know, I'm sure they wouldn't, that you are um, not there with an American wife and your family and you've gone over like typical missionaries seem to do. But you actually have married a Hmong woman. You That's went correct. there younger in your younger years, and um, and uh, you met and, and married a, a Hmong, and you've raised your children, who are part Hmong and part American. And uh, of course, I've come to know and love your family, and uh, and uh, they're learning both languages, mm. kids as they've grown up. But you're deeply enmeshed in that culture. You don't live as an American. I've been to your house. I've I've <coughs> eaten food in your house. Uh, I've taken showers the wrong way <laughs> uh, at your house, <laughs> and on and on it goes. And so I want I want the people who listen to know that John, you have given your life and uh, and quite a way sacrificially, more mm. than most of us can imagine, mm. uh, to adapt to. I mean, you wear their clothes; they're your clothes. You have adapted to the culture completely. And we're going to talk uh, to a caller just called in, and then uh, after that, we'll talk about that culture and what unique kinds of counseling problems might come up if indeed Mm. there are anything unique about those people groups Mm. and how the Bible can address that. That's where we're going from here. As soon as we talk to Jane. Jane, are you there? I have a question. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank your guest for being the hands and feet of Jesus that we all can't be. Mm. And um, I have a question about how the radio station there is supported do you have commercials like we do here, or do you depend on outside support? And how could I, as a person here in the United States, help support your ministry there in Thailand? Uh, thank you for your question. That's a, a very pertinent question. Uh, actually, what we do is we do not have uh, station breaks or <laughs> or advertisements, advertisements where we would um, have would where they would be capital-generating. We totally rely upon the kindness of, of others who believe in what we're doing. And we work in conjunction with the Far Eastern Broadcasting Corporation, who is our transmitters based out of the Philippines, out of Manila, and the Bacawi transmitter. And so for our radio programming, the biggest expense for us is airtime, which is $2 a minute. We're on an hour and a half a day. So the, it adds up if you think about it on a monthly, yearly basis. Mm. Uh, so f- for people who would like to support that type of radio programming, uh, they can go up to febc.com and get all the details that you need about uh, supporting radio ministries, not just among the Hmong, but in another 86 different languages that are that are on the air. That's febc.com. Right. stands for Far Eastern Broadcasting Company. Great. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thank you. Jane, thank you for your call. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That's a, that's a great question. And, you know, uh, it might be an appropriate time to mention, uh, John, that um, I know you've invited myself and uh, a couple of others to come over next year and do some more training, which we're looking forward to, uh, primarily in the area of counseling. Mm. <clears throat> why Why is that? Uh, what's the, what is the counseling situation? What is the place of scriptures there? And, and what do the Hmong people in the area... Uh, even the Thai people and the Vietnamese, whatever. What what's the scenario available to them for the kinds of problems that they run into in that culture? As thank you for that. As we've been seeing in in the Hmong, they're a very close knit community, mm-hmm. and so in times past they had social structures in place to deal with 
abnormal behavior, bad behavior, sin, adultery, all of these things, they had structures within their own community that when somebody was an offender, they would bring them up and they would deal with those things within their lives, problem issues that we have. Now in the church, what we see, there are a lot of believers. Say in um, the Hmong church in Thailand, about 10,000. Uh, we, Like I said, Vietnam, at least 250,000. Uh, we believe there's closer to 400,000. What we're seeing is the trend of the believers to still fall onto traditional community structures. That is a good thing, but it has a drawback in the fact that when a Christian is trying to respond to a, a situation, a stressful situation, maybe a traumatic situation, an unjust situation where somebody's maybe infringing on their property rights, they would still go back to the traditional system and put things through the traditional system, which is ungodly. And they would not be responding to the situation according but, to the Christian mm-hmm. principles. the Spirit of God in the, in the Scriptures. They're, they lead upon their history and their their ritualistic uh, ideas, concepts. That's, that's, yeah. They're conformed so to their world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. And so what we see, there's the other thing of urbanization, as a lot of the Hmong in Southeast Asia are now starting to get an education, particularly in Thailand. Those social structures are being dismantled, not intentionally, but due to the fact of moving to the city. And so what happens is we have people, Christians, who have problems. And they don't go back home, and they don't rely upon the the social structures that they had in times past. Where do they go? They're not going anywhere. And the Hmong pastors that we know are not trained in biblical counseling. There is a general idea of biblical counseling might help for a spiritual problem, but not necessarily... Uh, all problems in your life. No different than this country. Thing. you got to go to the professional. <laughs> That's right, going to the professional. And so there are now people, I have friends who have, uh, their wife were having, adbe- uh, uh, were having uh, basically behavior problems, we call lack of character, running around. Oh, they sent her to a mental hospital, and they just put her on a bunch of drugs, and they walk around like a zombie. Well, I believe the Christ that I know wants to bring wholeness uh, to everybody amen. in every aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. And we need to change the way we think, mm-hmm. and we need to change the way we respond and start thinking God's thoughts and responding in God's way. And if we don't train our men now, when the urbanization continues, when the social structures that the Hmong have now continue to collapse, they're going to be left with a vacuum except to throw everything back over into the to the hand of the world and see what the hand deals them mm. back. and. And, and I think God loves the Hmong more than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that so your part of your heart's desire is not only to evangelize and reach the lost, but to train leaders so that they're equipped as pastors and elders to uh, handle these kinds of uh, the transition. You might say from dependence upon the support group of their cultural heritage over to the support group of the church and the scriptures. Is that correct? That, that's very correct. With also one thing added, and that is we want to train faithful men who will also train faithful men mm. ad infinitum, mm. not where they will have to rely upon structures that we're setting up, 
but they also will be able to train themselves. John, I know you talked a lot about your your ministry in terms of the the, the radio broadcast. Do you uh, pastor a church yourself where you get to work more closely with the kinds of problems that you're alluding to? Now, I had been the the pastor of uh, the associate pastor of a very large church, and I did that for a, a few years, and then I was the pastor of the church in the village that I live now. Uh, due to the constraints of the, doing the radio programming, that no, I would not be fair to be a pastor in the church. But what I do function in our local body is I am on the board of elders, mm-hmm. and we have to deal with every issue that you have to deal with here. We have to deal with men not being faithful to their wives. So we're in... Uh, front line. Front line. Mm-hmm. Front line. Mm-hmm. What other kinds of life issues, problems uh, do the Hmong people have? Are they just like us? Are there some differences? Do they have anger issues, bitterness issues, depression issues, conflict uh, problems with one another? Do they? Are they just like us? They're just like us, except they might respond to those issues in a different way. Here we might seek for professional help for some things. We might even think of praying, or we might even think of going to the pastor. Um, but we have major issues where, what do you do when your children don't listen to you anymore? What do you we don't do? have that here. We don't have that, no. <laughs> um, what do you do when uh, your first wife, that, you, that you've been in a relationship for a long time, and you don't get along. Do you marry a second wife or a third or a fourth? How do we deal with issues of polygamy as well? This polygamy because is common. Polygamy is common in this culture. Right. Uh, one of the one of the things that I ran into in my trips to Africa was similar to the the trips with you. When I found out that culturally polygamy was was uh, acceptable. quite acceptable, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, not only that, in in the culture that you serve. Um, we ran into the issue of premarital sexual relations being not only uh, approved of but promoted uh, by the parents of the children to uh, help them better prepare for their life choice with a partner, even though that might be two or three life choices. True, true. And that causes a great problem for the church because when you're in the church, uh, that goes totally against the grain uh, of what the Scriptures say, but it's normal and natural in that culture. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we have to deal with issues like this on, sadly, on a daily basis. We've even had uh, young young men who have gone and studied the scriptures and come back. And in the due course of them being young men, then they go out and they're sleeping with girls. Uh, and But yet these men are preparing themselves for ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't see that there's a contradiction in the fact that God requires of us holiness and sanctified living, and the fact that they're uh, committing fornication, and maybe not with just one other individual, could be several. Mm. Could be you have a wide playing field. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, in times past, when the Hmong were still in China, that when you found a girl that you liked, it was very common, and y- your father would encourage you if he liked your choice to continue to go over with the girl and sleep. And it was a very common thing until very recently now that you would go, you could go up to the house of the girl that you liked, you would talk back and forth through the wall of the house, and then when the girl was satisfied, she would let you in and into her room. 
right next to mom and dad. I mean, mom and dad got the next room over and the girl's there and you spend the entire night with her. And then in the morning, you better leave before light. Don't get caught. But the parents know everything that's happening. And this was encouraged in times past. But mm-hmm. as Christians, this is definitely uh, in contradiction with everything that we hold as true, true and pure as a Christian. Share also uh, what you and uh, our other guest from Thailand who's unable to be on the program due to the fact that he does not speak English. But you were telling me about the uh, despair that's in many of the Hmong and others in that culture because there's not a ready available accessibility to biblical counseling and and uh, so they keep things inside what what happens with folks like that that don't seek out any help because as you mentioned there there is some professional help there but that's usually in the urban areas the, the correct the tribal groups in the up in the mountains and stuff they don't have access to professional help no and uh, so what happens to these folks uh, sadly to sadly enough to say and uh, in I cannot count the amount of suicides mm. that and funerals as a result of suicides that I have attended in the 21 years that I've been there. And I can't even count in the short 14 years that I've been in this one present location, all of the funerals do, all of deaths due to suicides. Mm. And so it's a very common thing for a boyfriend and girlfriend, once they've been told that they can't get married, they like each other, uh, to drink poison together Mm. and, and die together. If we can't be together in this life, we'll be together in the next because they reincarnation is still mm-hmm. uh, a part of their worldview and what they believe even as Christians suicide is a viable option because they believe oh they're going to be reincarnated again mm. uh, so those are those are big issues that that fall into the mirror of the counseling uh, uh format because we don't have polygamy here we don't have reincarnation here so we're we're not dealing with these kinds well, of spreading the culture. Yeah. So we t- kind of take this for granted, I think, guys, because over here we can preach the gospel, yeah. and of course we know that everybody gets saved is just getting started. There's a lot of things they don't know, but the culture has supported something of a Christian ethic and right. worldview. Right. Uh, whereas there, the people are getting started uh, in brand new, but they have all that wrong support. Right. Not that it's all wrong; they have other good things, but but those particular things are. Are, are things we don't even deal with. And, no. you know, if someone over here would say, well, I believe in reincarnation. Well, then you can't be a Christian, we might say. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's a lot you have to learn. You have to get your mind renewed. Mm. And, boy, if if you can't get it uh, renewed soon enough and you're in despair, what what a great uh, out out <laughs> it might be to come back mm. in a future life where things might be better. Yeah. What, an, what, an enc- what an encouragement, though, to hear you speaking about uh, the folks. It's not encouraging that they're going through the same things that we are, but it's encouraging to know that the scriptures speak to those very things that they're going through. And you can't help but think of First Corinthians ten thirteen. There's no temptation which has seized you, but such as is common to man. Mm. And the mm. and these the this is the common trait that no matter what language is spoken, no matter what the culture, as you would know better than myself, John, um, Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen. And the scriptures are sufficient, yeah. whether in America or in Thailand yeah. or Moscow or uh, California. <laughs> John, uh, we don't have a lot of time left. Could you could you preach the gospel hmm. in a brief kind of a way, a simple kind of a way in the Hmong, uh, blue or to your choice? <laughs> and and uh, just let our listeners... Because I don't know the difference. Yeah, <laughs> it could be Greek as far as I can serve it. Yeah, uh, just let them... Let those who might be of that particular uh, language 
uh, ability uh, here. And the rest of us who listen in English, let's appreciate and how pray. God's and Word pray. That's and, right. pray and pray that those who uh, are listening might uh, be encouraged right. by the good news. And then uh, we'll come back for a moment and just wrap things up when you're done. And uh, so here is the gospel now uh, from uh, John Yang in Mong. Those of you that are Mong, listen to this good news. ตายดูตัวจิตชั่วปัจจัยยะท้องกันดูคือหนอเทียนูยอตัวจิเน่ชั่วแหล่งชั่วตัวนูฮลูเน่จะยอเน่ยอตรู้สังตือจะยอเน